This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Before I introduce my guest today, I want to invite you to follow the podcast on Telegram. Just search for Mr. Productivity. Following the crumbs and the chaos is a full-time job as a productivity coach. As a busy mom of three, I'm not talking about me, relax, the founder of Chaos and Cookies and the creator of the Chaos Control System, Heather Greco's main objective is to keep moms from crumbling. For new business owners, Heather helps simplify systems in social media and other business platforms to automate processes to get their businesses up and running quickly and efficiently with how-to tutorials and hands-on coaching. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. What the listener doesn't know until right now is I had to do that take like three times, which never happens, but I got through it. I mean, and then, you know, once you trip over one word, it's kind of like you're falling and your body's like, uh, this isn't going to end well, but, uh, yeah, it's the only Domino time I, effect. it's the only time I don't edit the sh- I edit the show is when I mess up the beginning. Anyways, I got to tell you, I told you it's on a pre-interview call. I'm going to tell you now chaos and cookies. What an awesome name for a company. Oh my goodness. And um, I mean, there's nothing else to say. And now if you're hungry, listener, you can blame Heather if you're hungry right now because you're thinking of cookies. But uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights. Now you deal a lot with busy moms because there's a lot of busy moms in the world, but I'm sure that your productivity tips as mine are, are pretty much you know, across the board. I mean, productivity tips are productivity tips, basically. Sure. And I think as a mom, you're always busy. That's just a given, right? So it's uh, moms that have businesses that are trying to start them up and get going. And I also help them at home and doing, you know, efficiency and automations that way, because you run your home like a business and everything has a system. And so you're also, you need to run your business at the same time. So uh, it's a fun way to it's fun to help them because if you want to start your own business, you don't know what you're doing and you don't have a lot of time as a mom. So you have to fit it in and you want to do it in the most efficient way. I love automation and I I'm 56 years young and I remember back when automation wasn't a thing except for maybe in factories. And when people are doing things that can be automated, I'm like, why you're, 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 you're affecting my disorder, my order here, my sense of order here. I mean, there is automation that could do this for you, which can free up time. But a lot of people are either scared of the technology or they don't even know it's possible. Right. So what I do with my clients, they'll come to me and they'll say, I really need to get an email list going, but I don't know how. Or I have clients that have so many, like so much business that it's, they're doing everything manually once there's a sign up and it's, it's frustrating for them. So we go through the system of what you can put in place to get that to initiate the email. So they're not having to do it anymore. And all they have to do is coach or teach or whatever they have to do. So when we talk about it, we talk about sales funnels, we talk about all those things, but there's not a lot of coaches that will show you how to do it, meaning pulling your screen up and clicking this button and clicking that button and how to make it. And that's what I do for them. So they understand and they see it and then they get the recording so they can duplicate it later instead of just saying, okay, you're going to go over to Flowdesk and you're going to go touch this button. They need the handhold and the visual. 
you know, you touched on something that really resonates with me, and that's the whole simplicity thing. I believe complexity is a gateway to procrastination. And if we're going to empower people to, you know, start a side hustle, start a business, have a family and live the life they truly are meant to live. I think we got to make it as simple as possible. Not that they're, they're not intelligent, but when you've got, when someone's being pulled in so many different directions, I think it's better if you make it as simple as possible. Do you agree with that? I absolutely agree. The one word that I've been dubbed is the simplifier. So I'm all about simple, smarter, not harder, because you will spend so much time trying to figure it out. You'll you'll spend a lot of time and maybe you'll get frustrated and walk away. And then you just spent that time getting frustrated and nothing got done. Mm-hmm. So the simpler, the better. And then also longevity. You want to make sure that whatever system you're going to put into place is going to last where you're not having to change it every five seconds. That's very true. That is very true. I remember when I switched over to Kajabi, it was a big learning curve, but I've been using it for three years now, two or three years. I forget how long. And now it's second nature to me, just like the podcast. I have over 920 episodes. It's second nature. And people have been saying, you should come up with a podcasting course. You should come up with a Kajabi course. And I'm like, but that's not my passion. Just because I'm good at something doesn't mean I should create a course. Could I make money? Probably, but I love helping people become more productive by punching overwhelm in the face. That's my uh, zone of genius, if you will. So you're right. Some people, they just get in like you, you can't see the forest for the trees as the old saying goes. And I think people need to step back. I think we're trying to go too fast and do too much. For example, when people get in the business, they always hear VA, VA, VA. Uh, you got to pay a VA. So how about getting some income first? And then when you start generating income, then you can outsource that to the VA. But a lot of people are doing it backwards. They think they have to have a VA to start a business. And maybe you do, and maybe you don't. But I think you need to step back and go, okay, what's my vision for the company? How fast am I going to grow? And then make decisions based on that. Absolutely. And I think if you're going to start a business and you want a VA to start at the beginning, you have them help you set up your initial systems and then you take it over. Like they need to teach you how to do it or you do it together. That way they're doing all the back end stuff because that's their specialty just because you want it to get up and running. But then you run with it and start making some, some income and then you can implement them again or you know, outsource stuff here and there. Like maybe it's a website change and you just couldn't absorb that skill, you know, just depending on your website. And then you just send that off. But at the beginning, if you think you need a VA, just do some hours to set your website up, to set your sales pages and all of your systems to, so you're not so overwhelmed and you can do it quicker and then bring them on later. Mm -hmm. But there's no need for you to have all these employees if you're not making any money. (laughs) Yeah. They want to get paid and other than just compliments. What is the number one thing people come to you for? Is there, is there one particular issue that they come to you to start the conversation? So on the business side of things, Instagram, Mm. that's the number one I'm sought out for all the time. I need your help on Instagram. Help me. Help me, help me, help me do reels. How do I do this? How do I make the words move? How do I, you know, get more followers? It's always Instagram. And then at home, it's organization. 
like a good system on just a small room and how to make things more efficient when you have kids. So those are the two things. But Instagram is the biggest thing that my, my clients come for. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Instagram because in February 2021, I watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix because so many people told me you got to watch the show. Finished watching the show. I promptly deleted Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and TikTok. And then as the months went by, I'm like, you know, that was kind of silly. But what was interesting about Instagram, there's a lot of crap on Instagram I had there that I wanted to get rid of. And as you know, there's no way to go back that I know of to go back and clean off your feed. So when I deleted it for a couple months and I restarted it, I mean, breaking news, Mark Stucheski was still available. Uh, I wonder why. And then I, now I have got a plan. Now I don't have a lot of Instagram followers. I had like 2000 before I jumped off it, but a lot of them were bots and, and stuff like that. But my approach to any social media platform, and I, I'd love to know your, your thoughts on this is instead of me creating new content, I started following Gary Vaynerchuk where he says it's better to document instead of create. So when I create reels or TikTok videos, which are the same thing, I don't do like the trending videos, the trending sounds. I know people say I should do it. I just share something that I'm a, a part of my journey because I notice, like on TikTok and Instagram, what really gets a lot of views may not be turning into money. In other words, on TikTok, Unlike the social media in the United States, you could talk about COVID, whether you're pro-vax, anti-vax. You could talk about Democrats or liberals, and they don't censor that stuff. Here, if you're anti-vax, you're banned off of social media. But I notice it, like on TikTok, if you say you create a video that's anti-vax, millions of likes, millions of views. But is that making you money? Because going viral, but if you have no money, I don't understand the point. So I only do reels now on Instagram. I've learned how to use them. And, I, I, and I'm going to get a chance to talk here. Believe me, just a second. Uh, I just want to get my thoughts out of my head. So what I've done is I will record a 30-second Instagram reel. And then I realized one day I could put that on TikTok, splice it up, put on Instagram story, um, LinkedIn stories, and Facebook stories, and on Snapchat. So one piece of content. And... I don't know if that's the right way to do it, but it works for Gary and I tried it the other way. It didn't work. So what are your thoughts about documenting our journey instead of creating? hundred percent both. Uh, I think there's a, there's a delicate balance between the two. I do something very similar where if you're going to create a reel, which it doesn't have to be like crazy, silly stuff, does it get more views? Does it go further? Yes. Because people like to be entertained, mm -hmm. but you can, I explain to my clients that reels is just another way to do a video. Like mm -hmm. you can put a song to it that's trending, but just turn the volume down and it's still attached to your video, but <laughs> it, and it looks like you used it, but you didn't. So there's ways around that trending you know, situation. But if you have a video, don't post it on your feed. You post it in reels because it is, it has its own algorithm. It has its own way. And so it'll get pushed out to more people and your feed. So it goes to more places and then you splice it up and you put it in your stories. You put it on TikTok. Now, the thing is, is that things that work on TikTok will work on Instagram. The things that work on Instagram will not work on TikTok because of the audience. Mm -hmm. Not all every time because TikTok's a very, it's developing, but it's a younger generation, which is why anti-vax stuff goes crazy because you've got all the political young people as well. And then in Instagram, 
it'll work because a lot of the trends that are happening on TikTok, I'll go over there and bring them over and then it'll eventually pick up speed. But documenting and putting them in all different places and different clips, why not? Because not everyone is on the, yes. all platforms. I'll have people go on my Facebook and never see my Instagram, but some people will go on Instagram or LinkedIn. I, I was found by a client on LinkedIn because they don't have Facebook. So you you put it in all places because the more content, the better, the more places you'll be found. And creating is great if it's something that is relevant to your business or you can plan out or maybe you have a launch. But I kind of fly by the seat of my pants when it comes to my content. Mm -hmm. I do it on the fly. I'll go and record a reel. Maybe I'm trying to teach a transition or do something that's relevant to get a laugh. So it just depends. I mean, I've had quite a few that's gone quite like big, but do they teach you anything? No, they're dumb. <laughs> they're like the dumbest ones and they're the ones that take like two minutes and I'll get 167,000 views on it for what? Like me lip syncing something with next to somebody else that was <laughs> like a song. It's not even relevant. Can't teach them anything, but yeah. it gets my face out there, which then they follow me, which then they learn what I do. Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm, and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. It's funny because no one told me that when you record, when you post your first reel, Instagram blesses it. And so I did yeah. what probably most, what everybody else did. Oh, this is my first Instagram reel. And I got like 11,000 views. I'm like, oh crap. Cause the next one got like a thousand. And I'm like, I wish I would have known that. Cause I would have put more effort in that first reel. So if you've never done a reel, if they're still doing it, when you listen to this episode, they generally like push out your first reel. Be very careful what you talk about there. Don't just go, this is my first reel. That's what I did. And I wasted the opportunity. But I want to talk to you about something you mentioned because you said put it out everywhere. And what let me touch on that yes. real fast real quick. With Instagram, if they roll out something new, you jump on it. Just like they reward you for your first reel, it's because it's new and it's also trending. That You jump on it. If they bring out another uh, platform, they reward you for using their new tools. So that's why they push it out so fast. And just know that like with reels, you got to keep on those consistently. You'll never know. I've got some that picked up after three weeks. Yeah. I posted and all of a sudden three weeks, they just started doubling for no reason. You never know. But if they do roll something out new, you jump on it right away. Which is interesting because they didn't used to do that. And when I went to TikTok, they said, hey, listen, it'll be picked up later. And, and I noticed Instagram never did that, but now with reels, they're starting to do that. I'll post a video. And like you said, three, four weeks later, all of a sudden the reels going like, what's going on? I think they're getting smart because people are like, they want to know new stuff. And it's, it's social media. You really have to stay in the game in order to know what's going on. But yeah. get, get back to what you said something earlier. You said posting everywhere. One of my second, my second favorite book, my first, my favorite book is the Bible. The second favorite book I've ever read is Grant Cardone's The 10X Rule. It's the only book I've read more than twice. I've listened to it three times, read it once. I'm reading it for a fifth time. And in the book, he talks about when you're starting your business and brand, you have an obscurity problem. 
And the number one way to defeat your obscurity problem is to post a lot. And he shares in the book that when he started, he would post a lot like every hour on Twitter and people got annoyed. He says, what's interesting, people got annoyed. People got really angry. Then they started becoming fans and admiring him because he wasn't putting out crap. It, you can't in this day and age of social media, you can't post once a day. You can't. No. It, it just moves so fast. And I think the problem is, and you tell me if I'm wrong, because you probably know more about social media than I do, is people are looking at the metrics. I wish they would take away the metrics, except for the author, because people are looking at the metrics to determine if it's a good video, if it's a good post. They haven't even looked at it yet. They just look at the, the likes. And I wish they'd take that out because, look, at you put a piece of content out. If it doesn't do well, maybe the next one will. Don't don't sweat it. But so many people are not doing what I call um, income producing activities. They're staring at the metrics. I'm like, how is that making you money by looking at the metrics? Yeah. And it's so they're off balance because people are watching all the time, but they're not liking or doing anything with it. You, my podcast, for instance, I'll get people texting me and messaging me and they say like, I've been listening to your podcast for months and this inspired me. And I'm like, great. And they never left a review. Like you never know. It's people will sign up for my Instagram bootcamp all the time. And I didn't even know who they were. Cause you can typically see like who watches you for a while and they might be on the border, but those metrics are, are very hard to see. And it's, terrible to measure your value based off of how many hearts you get mm -hmm. because that's silly. I mean, you could scroll through and not, but people are still seeing it. And that's where the impressions come into play where every time someone sees it doesn't mean that it was liked or anything like that. So when it comes to posting, you always want to provide value. There's three types, value, viral, and vulnerable. Those are the three V's that you deal with on social media. And so the most that you need to do, like 75% needs to be value. You need to be teaching somebody something. You need to be giving them some sort of value where they'll want to save it or you're positioning yourself as an expert so they'll come back for more. The viral is obviously something like a funny quote or a reel that is funny and it lists like a fun response. And then of course the vulnerable, which also does very well those are typically more static and not video because some people don't like to be vulnerable on camera, but those are to also elicit an emotional response from the follower where then they're invested in you even more. So those are the three types that you should really focus on, but value for sure. So before you click publish, you should look at it and say like, will this keep my follower? Do, are they going to like it? And how does this serve them? And how do you keep serving them? And you can still provide value by documenting your journey because you're sharing your journey and maybe you shared on a particular reel a mistake you made and that is providing value. So I, and you talked about vulnerability. I have been very vulnerable about, you know, I was fired from my job back in July, 2005. And from July, 2005 to the end of 2020, I hardly make any money. I mean, I was spending money hand over fist on coaches and courses and, and conferences. And I didn't know what I was doing. And when I shared those videos being vulnerable, I would get so many DMS going, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one that was struggling. And to your point, people go, wow, this guy created a video. He went live and he shared his vulnerabilities and it brought people closer to me because they realized they weren't alone on the Island. So if you've got the 
the fortitude and to share your story on a video or live that draws people in because you're sharing with them. They're not alone. Now, to your point, you got to be kind of strong. You got to be kind of strong. I own the fact I made a lot of stupid mistakes along the way. I'm married to a very awesome woman who supported our family during that time of my mistakes. And I share people with that. And the DMs I get or the emails I get from people, they just brighten my day because I help that person realize, like I said, that they're not alone. Yeah. And it also humanizes you because if you're seeing like a persona on online, I mean, when I post things, it's polished, it's pretty, it's what we are trying. We, we're only posting what we want people to see. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes it can't be as relatable as it could be. So doing the vulnerable or the videos, it shows that you're a human and that you have feelings and that they can relate to you even further than just what you're writing or like the funny things that you put out. So it humanizes you because they want connection with you and want to feel like they know you and invest in you because also if you're running a business, people don't buy your products because they like the product. People do business with other people. Like they can go find someone else that does pretty much what you probably sell or do. But if they like you and trust you, then they'll buy from you no matter what. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this as a productivity coach, do you prefer one-on-one coaching? Do you prefer group coaching like a membership or do you prefer creating a course? So what's if you can only choose one? I'm going to really pin you down here. This is not okay. we're not doing the Ten Commandments on you know from God. I'm just saying if you could only pick one, which would you pick? So I have I currently do all three, mm-hmm. but if I what I do like, I love my one on one coaching. However, if they cancel or because uh, I work with a lot of moms and kids are always in the picture on my side too. Group coaching, I feel is the most uh, productive because you can help more people in one hour and the same thing that they're going to ask you on a one-on-one. And you may not get to charge as much on a one-on-one because your time, but you get more out of it with other people and you teach 10 versus one in an hour. And you can continue on with like a membership, but I would prefer group coaching. Courses are great, but um, it takes a lot of time. And I have a boot camp. I try to make it to where they would just, you know, buy it and watch it. But, you know, I like going live. I like teaching them because every day, like Instagram is different. Like it's changed so much since the first time I brought it out. So I like to keep it fresh and updated and also help them with their individual questions. Cause not everybody is at the same level. I, I so love I that. like group coaching. I, I love that. So my answer is my membership. I have a membership, but I also created the course uh, two and a half years ago, which I didn't really do too much of. I had a couple of people go through it. They loved the course and they kind of like sat there dormant. And then about three months ago, I went to the course. I, I watched it again. I'm like, wow. See, unlike Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, you know, productivity, pretty much if you if you create the course the right way, it can become timeless. And I went through and like, oh my gosh, this is still valid. So now I dusted off the the, the cobwebs and the dust and I, I relaunched the course. And then because I'm a nut, I created the welcome video. 
a brand new video. And I said, Hey, listen, in the course, I've got a goatee and a mustache and, you know, but the, the course is still here. And the only thing I got, I got rid of the Facebook group because I, I made it really humorous and let people know the value is still there. But I love the membership because you said it. I love going live. So what I do on mine, I don't know what you do on yours. I teach for, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. And then I allow them to ask me any questions about productivity. And it's great because somebody will ask a question and I'll answer it. And someone goes, you know what I do in that situation? You get the community. So I'm like you. I love the live interaction with my clients. I think it's, it's, it, it makes me feel more alive. The course is nice. People can buy it, but there's no live interaction. And the one-on-one is, I'm sure you've had uh, clients like this. Some clients are really like they're doing the work and some clients, they call after call. It's like they're a drain on you. Like I'm telling you what works and you're not doing it where that's kind of minimized when you're doing the membership or the group coaching, because everybody's not going to do the homework. Some people will, right. some people won't. And so I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. I like the group coaching better. And also with the group coaching, like they can learn off each other. Yes. They also can network with each other. There's always questions that could be like, oh, I had that question. So I'm going to ask a different one, but it also gives them access to you. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to feel so exclusive with just one-on-one -on -one where you're just so untouchable because they can't afford it or they just don't want to do it. And they would prefer just to go into a group and it gives them access to you and they can also ask questions in a free space, right? Hey, you listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter and you can sign up right now by going to mrproductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. I love when clients reach out to me. Matter of fact, when you become a client, you get my cell phone number and they're like, oh, I hate to bother you. It's not a bother. It's a joy. Now, when I get to a level like Brendan Burchard or Tony Robbins, obviously I'm not going to be have the one-on-one -on -one reaction. That's the one, not reaction, interaction. But you know that you take sacrifice. You're, you're bigger. You're making more money. You have more clients, but there's no way Tony can respond to all his customers you can't, you know, it's just impossibility, no. but I will miss that when I get that point because I love the interaction. So let's pivot a little bit to you helping moms out of home. This is clutter a big thing. Cause I, I, a lot of people, when they think clutter, they think about clutter in their desk. And I think there's two forms of clutter. There's like the mental and the physical, and I guess we can even throw virtual in there as well. So let's talk a little bit about clutter whether you're mom or, you know, you're working at home, let's talk about clutter. Cause I think clutter is a big obstacle to us being productive. hundred percent. Because you can also like, for me, I like to have an organized space because if I'm staring at a pile of stuff, I can't be a hundred percent in because I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to fix that. <laughs> and that's just my OCD. If it's behind a closed door, I'm fine, but not in my, in my space. And so also when you're looking for something like say your desk, like maybe it's organized chaos for some and it looks chaotic to an outside person, but nope, that's my system. I like it. Great. Because when you're going to go look for something, you want to not have to sift through papers and go find wherever you put it because you want to be pretty efficient. So clutter physically, I try to have a system in place and try to maintain it. Like once a week, I try to go through everything and sift through so it doesn't accumulate over, you know, a really long period of time. 
uh, when I'm done, I do try to straighten up before just to keep it because it's like making your bed. Mm-hmm. You don't want to crawl into an unmade bed every night. So do you want to crawl into an unmade desk or something like that every day? Like you want to start your day being proactive and not reactive. And if you're not doing it consistently, then you're constantly reacting to it. Very true. What about mental clutter? A lot, In other words, worry, stress, overwhelm. A lot of people, they're like, well, that's not really clutter. It actually is because if you're worried about something, you're not going to be as productive as you normally would be. Sure. So with the mental clutter, you want to make sure that you are being intentional with your time. Like I do a lot of time blocking. You set aside this amount of time for this and that. And then once that timer is off, like you set a timer or a visual, that's when you need to shut it down and take a breath and say, all right, I'm done with this. I'm moving on. If I didn't finish it, it's going to go onto my list for tomorrow, but I'm done with it for now. And we're going to move on because you have to release it and continue. You don't want to get fixated. And so an exercise that I do with my clients are to list out the three most important things that they want to do that day. Like those are the top priority and a lot of time for it. Like if that's going to take you an hour, mark off an hour, 20 minutes, whatever. And then I have them list off three things that are very important. And so they have to get through their most important and then they can move to their very important. And whatever they don't get done, they move it to the most important for the next day. So then they can feel like, okay, I started it or I didn't get to it, but mentally they're going to know they're going to start with it first thing and they're going to chip away at it. And at the end of the day, I tell them to go and look at their list and ask themselves how it made them feel by getting it done. How did that feel? Does Do you feel accomplished? Do you feel like, oh, that was just a, a, a time suck for me and it sucked all of the time out of my day. I need to delegate that next time or, you know, something like that. So looking at it and then that's when they make the decision of, well, I could give that to someone else or, yeah, that wasn't so bad, but I would rather do that on like a Friday. <laughs> so, you know, it, that mental clutter is on paper. And then you're also addressing the feelings that come with it. So you're not so stressed and then you can release it. What I do is I have a bullet journal. I'm, I'm a big fan of bullet journaling. I like writing things down. So in the morning, I have something I say, what would make today awesome? And this is where exactly what you just said. I don't do the very important, extremely important. I just write down what would make today awesome. I don't write like 40 things on here. These are like the really important things. At the end of the day, I say, what are three amazing things that happened today? And one, the reason why I do that is I want to make sure I'm fully present. What do I want happen? What do I want to happen today? And what happened today? A lot of people, as you know, as a productivity coach, they're living life um, reactively. They're not really present in their day. And I just encourage people to do what you suggested or what I suggested. It doesn't take long, but just be intentional about the life you are living. Don't just like go from day to day to day. I do this seven days a week. I also write out my goals every morning, seven days a week. It doesn't take that long, but there's something magical and powerful when you write this stuff down that really resonates with you. And I can tell you most successful people do exactly what you and I are talking about. 
writing is great for the brain. So for like, I have kids and so that everything is on computers now, but I have them write out their thing, like their spelling words. They have to write them out three times because it, it takes your brain mm-hmm. to paper and then it, it, it puts also intention there and you're seeing it with your eyes. And it's also like kind of putting it in stone. Like you write in ink, you don't write in pencil and you stick with it. And intentional is exactly the word you have to be because you want to make sure that what you're doing every day is going to be also fulfilling you and also being productive at the same time, because you don't want to feel like you spun your wheels all day. And then you sit down at the end of the day and you're like, I feel like I got nothing done, but I was busy all day. (laughs) That's what moms typically do. It's like, what did I do today? I didn't get anything done that I wanted because they didn't write it down or they got distracted, but you can work crises into it if you space it out right. And it's not just for moms. I have, uh, my dad is 80 years old. He's taking care of my 76 year old mother who has late onset Alzheimer's. And when he's got to go to the lawyer, he's got to go to the doctors, you know, let's say the appointment's four days away. I said, dad, write your questions down. As soon as you think of what you have to ask the doctor or the lawyer, write them down. I'm 56 and I write them down. Yeah, You're I do 80. too. Cause he can't, re- he can't remember. Exactly. And when he does it, he goes, you know, you know, thanks, Mark, because I went there and I had all the questions written down. So don't trust your brain. Give it some help. It doesn't take that long just to write them down. Or put it in the notes in your in your yes. phone. Like put them down somewhere because you'll always forget or you'll phrase it incorrectly. And then when you leave, you're kicking yourself like, oh, I forgot. That's what I wanted to ask. <laughs> and then you got to pay a lawyer again to call them and yes. ask them again. Exactly. Exactly. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else on your heart that you'd like to share with us today? No, I'm, I'm very, I'm very appreciative of you having me productivity and being efficient is like my jam. Like I love it. And I think it's just not everyone's brain works that way and that's okay. And to seek help and get some tips and tricks, there's nothing wrong with that. And only like, and you don't have to do like say every room in the house or you don't have to do it every single day, but implementing it gradually, like habit stacking, like, uh, like the book, um, James clear. Thank you, James clear. I was, I was blanking. That's a great book. And so you start habit stacking and, and putting it into place gradually, small things Mm -hmm. and work your way. You're not going to just be like, I'm going to be organized today, but you were a mess the day before. It's not (laughs) going to, to stick. So to just chip away at it gradually and don't be so hard on yourself. And if that system that you tried the first time didn't work, it doesn't mean you give up. You just try it a different way because not everyone functions in the same way. How I got into productivity is very interesting. So as I mentioned, I was fired from my job and I wanted to become an entrepreneur. Didn't know what it was, could barely spell the word, but I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I, I started as a wedding and portrait photographer, which led me to public speaking, which led me to a couple of really embarrassing topics. And one day I was on a phone call with one of my coaches and I was not having a good day. And he goes, what's going on? I said, well, you know, I really want to speak. I want to train people. I love that, but I don't know what I should talk about. And he says, well, why don't you talk about productivity? And I remember saying to him, uh, I don't know where that came from, but why would you say that? He goes, I know a lot of people. You're one of the most productive people I know. You should share the gift of the world. And because I've been productive, apparently my entire life, I didn't see it. 
I didn't see it. I really thought, Heather, that everyone was productive like me. And when I told right. him that, he started laughing. Are you kidding me? Most people are so unproductive. And so had it not been for that conversation, I don't know if I'd be here right now. So how did you get into being a productivity? What what launched you on it as a productivity coach? Same type of situation. Uh for me, I was in health and I was in legal and then I left and now I'm in, and I was in health and wellness and my clients were needing some extra help, not just on the, on the weight loss side of things, but also mentally. And so trying to fit in a new healthy lifestyle, you've got to look at your schedule and figure out what you want to do. And it morphed into this whole thing of productivity. But what I was hearing from everyone is, I don't know how you do everything. Like, I'm not sure how you get everything done. You must have more hours in the day than everybody yep. else. And I said, no, I, I don't understand. Like, I'm just being me and living my day. Like, it was just second nature to me. And so people wanted to learn how to do it. And so I had to sit back for a second and be like, how do I teach this? Because this is just second nature of just getting stuff done and just doing it. So uh, not everyone is like that. So you wanted to, you want to help people. And so now it's become how to be more efficient in making your systems or posting to social media without spending all day on social media and creating a system for that and a plan and executing it. Same thing for home. Like, okay, I've got 20 minutes here before the kids get home. Should I, you know, how should I spend it? Or you can do quizzing your kids while you cook dinner. So you're spending time with them, but you're also getting dinner done and they're getting their homework and you're with them. So there's different ways. You just got to get creative and make sure it works for you. And making sure that at the beginning of your day, you look at your calendar, you look at your goals and set intention. So you're not being reactive. You're being proactive and it will change the way that you start your day and it'll be more positive. Well, thank you for sharing that because I am fascinated by how people got into what they do. And I read how Steve Jobs started Apple, how Google started, how Instagram started. I love the growing stories of people and you shared yours with us. And I love that because nobody's born that says, I want to be a product productivity coach. It doesn't happen. I want to be a Facebook expert. You learn to grow into it. And most times someone comes up to you and says, hey, you're really good at Facebook or you're really good at YouTube. And you're like, I am. And then you start going down the path. So thank you for sharing your story because I want the listener to realize if you don't know what you want to be when you grow up yet, if you're still sucking air, you got time. So Heather, where can we go to find out? You got to give us your website address. I love it. Where can we go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Sure. So you can go to chaosandcookies.com. Yes. It's with the N. Yeah. And chaos and cookies, I know. So it's because I have three kids and it's chaotic and I run a business and all the things. And then cookies, because no matter how much you organize and clean with kids, like there's always crumbs somewhere. No, I'm not a bakery or anything like that. Chaos and cocktails was going to pigeonhole me a little bit and I didn't want to go there. So I did cookies instead, but I do have a cocktail hour once a month that I do call chaos and cocktails. And then you can listen to my podcast at chaos and cookies podcasts as well. Instagram and uh, Facebook is all on there too. You know, I love mr. but chaos and cookies. 
I'm sorry. That that pretty much it's not better than MrProductivity.com. I'm not gonna give you that much credit, but it's up there. It's really up there. I love that you love it. And I do typically I'll get people that don't really look at what I do and they'll be like, Oh, where's your bakery? And I'm like, No, like you clearly don't know what I do. Like, go and look at it. Because it's you know, I lead with a negative, yes, chaos and my oh, my coach that was helping me with the name of the business. It's like, you can't leave with a negative. I'm like, well, I like it because I like alliteration and keeping moms from crumbling is the tagline. So <laughs> I love it. Well, sense. it was such a thrill to have you on the show today. Uh, I know the listener got a lot out of it because I got a lot, a lot out of it. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. It was a pleasure and so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free. Just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.